we it's December already, right? It's December already, and here we are um, pushing towards Christmas. We are beginning our Advent series uh, uh, beginning today. Advent. Have how many of you are familiar? You've been to a church um, that does does Advent. Can you just give me a little wave? Yeah. You, you, you've been to a church that does Advent. Just give me a little wave. All of y'all weren't here last year. <laughs> we are a church that does Advent, by the way. Yeah. And so, what is Advent? Advent literally means the arriving, right? The arriving, the arrival of Jesus. With Advent is a time. Usually, church, many churches throughout the world will spend um, three to four weeks leading up to Christmas, um, spending that time anticipating. Anticipating not just His first coming, which technically has come, you know, and is continuing to come uh, for many people who have not yet come to know Him. Uh, but it's also a time when we anticipate His second coming. And we, along with that, we anticipate the hope, the peace, the joy and the love that comes with Jesus. And so as we enter into a season of Advent, Today, I want to take you into the advent of peace, the arrival of peace. And so, while the world during Christmas time goes into, you know, overdrive, it's, uh, it feels like the, 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 the commercial world is on like fourth gear and it's revving like it's on sixth gear, you know, and, and everything is just on hyper. Uh, a hyperdrive, right? Um, the Christmas season, sometimes we have uh, taken the Christmas out. We call it the holiday season. And it's, and it's true, yeah. You see it even in, in church, you know. It is the holiday season because lots of people we know um, are also in, in the midst of planning travel throughout the end of the year season, right? And so much is going on. Everyone's rushing to buy things, to plan for dinners, to to, to, to plan for parties, to host or be hosted. There's always a lot going on. And the commercial world is on overdrive as well. Everyone is making a bid for you to part with your money towards them so that so that you can have this one gift on Christmas morning. You unwrap that gift and the whole world makes sense. And, you know, joy, peace, hope to the whole world, you know, is there because you unwrapped your gift and you got Adam a Nerf gun, right? <laughs> Number five Nerf gun, right? Or something like that, you know. Of course, you and I will have our own versions of that. We are surrounded by a culture that goes into extreme levels of speed and intensity and ferocity at the end of the year for leisure, for fun, for merrymaking, for pleasure, for excitement and entertainment and consumerism to buy things in the hope that the things that we unwrap and unbox and I know many things are going to be going out from Shopee on 12.12 and I know you guys I know you guys I haven't got much in my cart right now but that's owing to the fact that Ong family did a big 11.11 right um, but yes often we await the advent of shopping right um, but really Really, what we really need most is not the unboxing of another thing that will come and go. What we really need in this season is not necessarily more lights, more tinsel, more decoration, even though we have them and it's beautiful. Because the day will come when all of these things will be taken down. And when they get taken down but you did not establish the advent of Christ, the advent of peace and hope and joy and love, then when you take them down, your home, or for that matter, our church will feel empty, it will feel meaningless, and you will have, you'll be left with this feeling like, oh, all the celebrations are done. It's like the end of a holiday when you pack up and you, uh, and you start driving home and you go like, oh, was that all there was to it? Have you had that feeling on Christmas uh, evening or some, somewhere in the middle of Christmas afternoon, you suddenly have this feeling like, so this is it. 
all the rush, all the energy, all the excitement for this. It's not quite what I was hoping it would be. Maybe for some of you, it's Chinese New Year, right? You're hyped up for it, you know. Uh, end of day one, Chinese New Year, like, oh, so that was it. A little bit anticlimactic. And so, today, I want to set the trajectory for the month of December here in our church. We are going to slow down, intentionally slow down for this season of Advent. We are intentionally going to bring you before the Lord to be more reflective as you anticipate the coming of Christ in the form of our Christmas celebrations. And because of that, the way we style our services will be a little different. You'll notice the lights are down. It's more cosy and more romantic today, you know. Um, there will be, I will be preaching a short sermonette at the front, followed by reflection questions. A time for you to reflect. You'll see that keys are on stage because we would like you to spend a little bit of time entering into God's presence while we do the reflection. And so we have a journaling corner over at the back, okay? If you, everybody follow my hand, it's over there. Okay, it's over there. Okay, we have little cards, we have nice paper, we have nice stationery, we have washi tape, uh, we've got nice pens, we've got really lovely stationery there. I want to encourage you right now, before I go into the proper seminar, you can get up, go over there, pick up some stationery because we will be spending two cycles of reflection uh, time. Okay, so if you are the kind you like to write, you know, please go over there, grab one. During the reflection time, if you want, you also can. But now, is even better than later. Alright? See, my wife has gone to get some for herself as well. Alright, good stuff. Now, we'll be doing that two rounds. So a little sermonette, reflection time, then pray. Then we'll be doing a second sermonette, reflection time, then pray. Are we good? Are we good? Let's pray to open. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that today we can anticipate the arrival of peace through Jesus Christ. Our hope our Saviour, our Rock, our Foundation. And Lord Jesus, today, may You slow down our hearts so that we can beat in time with Yours. For though Your Scriptures remind us to be urgent, they have never called us to be anxious. And though we are urgent about the times, Father, we pray that we will enter this Christmas season in a deep sense of peace, of assurance and of confidence that our Christ reigns on His throne forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're looking for a physical Bible, you know, we've got copies of the Bible. You can follow Jack, follow my hand over there, okay? Um, you, can, you can go grab a copy of the Bible yourself. Today, we are in peace. Next week, we are in hope. The following week, on the 17th, we are in joy and on Christmas Eve 24th we are in love that week will be a full Christmas service it will be evangelistic I want to encourage you invite your friends right invite your friends to come on 24th the Sunday Christmas Eve and let the, give them a chance to hear the message of the coming of love amen Today, we are on peace. I'm going to read to you scripture from John chapter 14. Jesus says to His disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. And I want you to rest and reflect on these words of Christ for a moment. And I'm going to point you to what Jesus is doing when He says this. He says, Peace, I leave with you. This is in John 14, Jesus is beginning the message of His departure, the departure of His first coming. He is about to begin the ball rolling for the end of the beginning of His first coming. And so you'll see, He says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to leave you with my peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace, He says, I give to you. 
And I think it's important that we understand from this when he says, My peace I give to you, means that peace is not just something that we broker with the agents of hostility around us. Peace is not just something that we just wait until the conditions are okay, then everybody is peaceful. Peace is not something um, that is entirely external. Peace is something that God can give to you. It is a substance. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought of peace as a substance, but it is. It is something He can give. It is like a gift on Christmas. And most of the time, we think of peace as when all the parties involved are finally not fighting with one another, then we have peace. But He says no. He says that the peace I give to you, I give it to you not as the world gives. So you have to ask yourself, Jesus, when you say, I do not give to you as the world gives, how does the world give peace? How do you understand the world to offer peace? Today, I don't know if it's jarring or if it's suitable that we talk about the advent of peace at a time when 18,000 Christians in Gaza are being unseated, their churches are being destroyed, their hospitals are being bombed, they can't run service on a Sunday morning in a few hours' time where they are at. They are being thrown everywhere. They are living in destruction. Their cell groups have stopped. Their prayer meetings have stopped. Their Sunday services don't exist. Many of their pastors have been putting, doing last rites for families and members of families and church members who have died and consoling and counselling and shepherding and pastoring members of their church who are suffering from loss. The fact that the world is not in peace at this time of history does not surprise us even though often the extent to which the horrors of the hostility in this world should continue to jar against our spirit but it should not surprise us because the world was not in peace even in the day of Jesus it has never been at proper peace the world has always had something deeply broken and dysfunctional about it so that when Jesus was born Herod if you remember ordered for the killing of all the baby boys in that region so that all the mothers in that region were entered the first Christmas by mourning weeping crying grieving today Many mothers and fathers are grieving throughout the world, not least of all in the Middle East, but also here in Malaysia. Many people are grieving and they don't even know that they are grieving. There's just something deeply broken deep inside them. And they don't know what it is. There is just a dissatisfaction. There is just an inner emptiness. There is just an inner drive to try to fill an empty space, a discordance inside them. And they may not know where to go. I do not want to be offensive to the many things and places and people they may go to and the people around us go to to find some satisfaction. But the fact is that after 2,000 years and more of human history, we are still a deeply dissatisfied human race. So dissatisfied, we keep on killing one another. But we are the church of Jesus Christ. And we have one who has told us that He gives peace, not the way the world gives it. And He says, do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. And so I want to circle back to how the way the world gives peace. And bring your mind back to the days of Rome. You and I know it was not peaceful truly peaceful when all the baby boys in that area 
were slaughtered. You can't call that peace. But between 31 BC, 31 years before Jesus was born, pushing into 200 plus years after Jesus was born, in that time period of history, Rome did not go into war against its neighbours. From Caesar Augustus onwards, Rome entered into a season and an era of seeming peace. They called it Pax Romana. You know what Pax Romana was? Peace under the threat of a sword. Rome established peace because they became so strong, they became so mighty. After Caesar Augustus took the throne and as, as, as the emperor, he established and united Rome to such an extent that there were no more civil wars. He managed to convince his, his warring factions that prolonged peace is, brings more prosperity to everyone than all your infighting. And so under the threat of the sword, everyone kept peace. We journeyed through that this year. In every Roman city that Paul went to, the moment a little hint of disruption of civil society, Rome comes in, quashes it. Don't fight. I'll arrest all the people, round them up, bring them into prison cells, just to keep public order. Is that true peace? Because you and I may not live under August era Roman law but we live under the same spirit of Pax Romana where the idea of peace that is sold to us is that when you walk on eggshells around difficult people and Christmas will be every, every family has someone who is, who is prone to exploding during Christmas you all agree with me? Yeah, they are not agree with me. You know, right? Every family has one member of the family. Okay, lah. Maybe every two families has one, lah. Okay, um, who during high-strung times of you know Christmas, lah, Chinese New Year, lah, somebody is gonna melt down and throw a massive adult kind of tantrum, you know, and some 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 huge explosion will take place if you don't walk on eggshells properly and lie on them correctly. That happens, okay? It's super universal one, not just in Malaysia, everywhere one, okay? Now, that's Pax Romana piece. Everybody just, oh, let's just be careful with uncle so-and-so, right? And don't, don't set him off, right? Let's just make sure we don't talk about this, these topics to auntie so-and-so, right? And don't trip her up, right? Because that ensures us a peaceful Christmas. But that's not peace. Pax Romana is not true godly peace. Pax Romana is fear resulting in behaviours that look like peace on the surface. But it's not true peace. Jesus came not to give you the peace of Pax Romana. Jesus came to give you peace that, peace that is not like the way the world does peace. I want to show you this verse from Philippians. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through one, prayer. Two, through petition with thanksgiving. So you pray and speak to God. You thankfully and with gratitude ask from God. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God what kind of thing is the peace of God? It is the peace that surpasses all understanding. Remember I showed you this? I give to you peace, not as the world gives. The world gives peace that runs parallel with understanding. When you say, I'm not going to engage this relative, or I'm not going to engage this friend, I'm going to walk on eggshells around them and tread lightly, it is a logical, rational, computation based on your understanding. When this person doesn't explode, life is peaceful in the family. 
Now, I'm just using that as one example. It could be your workplace. It could be anything. It could be something deep inside you. As long as there's no explosion, your understanding tells you there should be peace. But if there's explosions, you tell yourself, obviously no peace ready, right? Then your life is full of anxiety and worries and all that. But Jesus says, I don't give it to you the way the world gives it to you. My peace will surpass understanding. In other words, even when the conditions do not appear to be ripe and correct for peace, His peace can still come and does. His peace does, His peace does still come. In other words, God's peace transcends circumstances. God's peace transcends bad situations. God's peace cuts through bad situations. It doesn't matter how bad a situation is. It doesn't matter how according to your eyes, it looks like there should not be peace. When God gives you peace, He gives you peace. Peace I give to you. It will surpass all your rational computations about whether a situation should be peaceful or not. And then that peace will become like iron gates that guard your heart. And when it guards your heart and it guards your mind, it protects you from the thoughts of anxiety, the thoughts of restlessness, the thoughts of fear, the thoughts of retribution, the thoughts of fighting back, the thoughts of, of just, uh, um, uh, just having a response, running away. I don't know what thoughts come and, and probe and and infiltrate your heart and infiltrate your mind and rob you of your peace but when God gives you a peace that transcends understanding He guards your heart and guards your mind so that every agent every thought every feeling every hurt every wound every trauma related thing from the past is being shielded your, God, your mind and heart are being shielded from the cruel and violent effects of all of these things that seek to come and rob you of peace. God's peace is not just because of the right circumstances. God's peace is peace that transcends circumstances. And I want to share with you that I'm sure Many of you have gone through weeks that were just extraordinarily difficult. And sometimes that's why we say when it rains, it what? Pause, right? Sometimes you have normal week after normal week after normal week and then on one week, you know, uh, two people you love end up in hospital. On that same week, you know, your house you know, starts breaking down. On that same week, you know, uh, um, other loved ones are going through struggle. On that same week, I don't know what else you can add to it. You know, your car, you know, starts to overheat and on that same week, you know, your bank, uh, 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 you lose your bank card, you know, on the same week, you know, you fall sick and on the same week, you know, you, your, your phone, uh, 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 something happens to it. Everything seems to just crash on the same time. And the circumstances tell you that you should be extremely anxious and restless and stressed out and strung out. I had a bit of that this, this past week. It was really quite bad but I'm sure you've had weeks like that yourself so you can imagine think back to one week where everything just crashed into that week I had that week this past six days seven days starting from last Sunday night until last night right um, it was just non-stop and there were many moments where I was thinking do I even have a sermonette to share with y'all today right but here we are. God is good. But I want to tell you one thing. Because I was self-conscious that I'm sharing with you guys on peace, I turned to Jehovah Shalom, my God of peace. And there were many moments, I won't, I, I, I won't pretend to you that I was in you know, full equilibrium for seven straight days. 
but there were many moments when the Lord just spoke to me and reminded me that I am on the throne and He gave me He put into me from outside of me so that it was not internally generated He put inside of me a peace that surpassed understanding so that even though I looked around me and I had every reason to be restless there were enough moments where I felt such peace of God over me that's the peace of God so I'm going to ask you and on these grey slides it's reflection time how much of the peace that you seek is based on a situation getting better I would like you to spend time even just naming some of those situations naming even some of the remedies that you thought you were praying for God just make these people uh, this person not argue with me make this situation calm down just cause the markets to behave a bit better over this month just cause this just cause that all these external things name it before God how much and what is the peace that you seek that is based on a situation getting better I'd like you to spend some time in this and the follow on question then or it's not so much a question but it is a challenge an exhortation is to pursue instead for a peace that comes even if the circumstances do not improve we're going to take I'm going to say let's take four minutes okay let's take four minutes and then we'll pray for another minute bringing it up to five let's take four minutes to reflect on this point
take another half minute Jesus Lord you are our rock you are our foundation you are our saviour our king you are our hope you are our joy you are our you are the wellspring of love without whom we will have none to give and Lord today we ask that you fill us with a peace that does not compute. Fill us with a peace that defies all the circumstances around us. Father, in our midst today, some of us are going through a hellish situation, a really torrid time. And others among us are just going through normal days. But in times ahead, we may go through our own difficult days. The weather will change as it always does. So today, Lord Jesus, we ask that you impart upon us, you give to us, you plant inside of us a peace that is so deep, a peace that is so unflinching, a peace that is not packed to the, the, the rise and fall of trends of this world, a peace that acts on its own, a peace that behaves as sovereign over our lives, a peace that when it establishes itself in us, cannot be dislodged by the things happening around us. Give us that kind of peace. And today, Lord, we pursue after you in this way. So that even if the markets are bad, business is failing, we are at peace. Even if today, friendships and family relationships are strained, we are at peace. So that today, even if bodies are breaking down and minds are, 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 are so frayed, we are at peace. So that today, even if we find it so hard to make ends meet and so hard to put rice on the table, we are at peace. Because Christ is our peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9 says, For to us a child is born. And we always hear this around Christmas time. I think it's always a good reminder. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. See the given, my peace, I give to you. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. It's a very strange metaphor for a government to be upon one's shoulders. And his name. What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name. The name which is above every other name. The name at which every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. The hyper-exalted name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. There's an illusion to rulership here. There's a rule that there's the straight up reference to rulership here. The idea that a government shall rest on one's shoulder appears strange until you hear it explained that what this means is that he will shoulder the responsibility to rule the whole earth. Jesus shoulders the weight of ruling the entire creation, the whole of cosmos. The fact that it's held up is Jesus. The fact that it runs correctly is Jesus. 
Because in Colossians 1, it says that all things were created through Him. Whether it is heavenly or earthly, whether it is visible or invisible, whether it is powers or thrones or rule or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And in Christ, all things hold together. The government is upon the shoulders of King Jesus. And because of that, He is the Prince, the Establisher, the Ruler over peace. It goes on to say that of the increase of this government, this government and of peace, as the government of Christ increases, peace also increases. You're like, what is the government of Christ? The government of Christ is where Jesus is established as King. The government of Christ as described in Isaiah 9 is what your New Testaments will describe as the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God is what? Upon you. The Kingdom of God is what? In your midst. The Kingdom of God is not far from you. It is near to you. What does that mean? It means that the government, the rule of the Prince of Peace has come. And through the arrival, the advent of the peace of God, Jesus Christ, we get to say that there will be no end to the increase of this peace. Now, you may say, where God? Where God peace increasing? Oh, it feels like the world, if anything, is becoming crazier. It's not, by the way. It's not crazier. It's always been crazy. It seems like there are more wars, more violence, more craziness, more brutality. It's not, by the way. We've always been a cruel and violent people. Without Christ, we are always cruel, violent, selfish. It's just that we are more connected and reports of violent acts travel to more people more quickly today. But violence has always been a huge part of our world. Cruelty has always been a big part of our world. And wherever there are swords, there is blood being spilled. Let's not forget that the fact that we think the world is crazier today is simply by virtue of media making acts of craziness more frequently accessed. But my friends, there is an extension of this peace. There is an extension of this peace where Christ resides in one. The Prince of Peace establishes Himself in our hearts. And when He does, and He establishes Himself every Christmas when we open the altars and one more person comes to give their life to Jesus and says, Yes, I open up my life, my heart, my private space, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, my past, my wounds, my griefs, my everything. I open it up and say, Jesus Christ, come into my life and give me what you give. My peace I give to you. Christ comes into your life. Every time that happens, the seat of another woman or man's throne has Christ on it. And in this way, His government keeps on growing. And of the increase of His government and of peace, there shall be no end. And He will establish it. He will uphold it. He will uphold it with righteousness and justice from this time forth until forevermore. He does it because He is passionate about peace. Jesus is zealous to establish peace in a chaotic, and crazy world. And so He has come on His first coming to inaugurate His rule. He has started His rule. He has infiltrated a dark world with love and with light. And that infiltration is ongoing. It's ongoing every Sunday when you and I gather that infiltration of light and goodness and mercy into a cruel and bitter world is already taking place. And it continues every Monday when you go out to work. It continues every evening when you go home. 
God is infiltrating a broken, horrible world with love and mercy and kindness and compassion. God is doing that. He's doing that through every single one of us. It began with the first coming. It culminates. It reaches its full satisfaction and completion with His second coming. And so my friends, as we are in the season of the Advent, Advent of peace, the Advent of hope, the Advent of joy and of love, we await not just His first coming because it has come and for those of us who have who call Christ our Jesus our Christ our Messiah our Lord it is ongoing but wait upon Him for His second coming He is coming your whole Bible ends with Jesus effectively saying I'm coming soon and so we wait with eager anticipation for the arrival of the King you know the Lord spoke to me just now during worship. There is a verse in Revelation that says that in New Jerusalem, when He rescues all of us and brings us into the new eternal you know, abiding place, He will wipe away every tear from our eye. And I ask myself, why does He need to wipe tears? It's because tears will first be shed. If tears are not shed, there's nothing to wipe. And then he says, after he wipes those tears away, there shall be no more tears to wipe. He wipes away every tear from every eye and then joy forevermore. And as I was worshipping just now, and I thought about the, th the things that many Christians are going through many people Christian or non-Christian are going through the brokenness that we live in and I'm longing for the kingdom of God for the goodness of God for the peace of God to keep on expanding and extending and growing and reaching new people so that even though life doesn't get easier but life gets better Amen Peace Therefore, it's not just something God does. Peace is something about who God is. Because you saw that of the increase of His government and of peace, there shall be no end. It appears as though God moves about and does peace. And He does. He does. And He says, Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be like sons of God. Right? In allusion to the Son of God. Wherever you and I make peace, do peace, we are doing Christ. But, we are, but peace is not just God doing something. Peace is who God is. He is Prince of Peace. His name is Peace. In the same way that He both makes a way, but He is also the way. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then He makes a way for you to reach Him. He is the way. In the same way, He does do peace, but He is peace. And the Jews would have called Him Jehovah Shalom, God, my peace. So church, as we enter this season of the advent of peace, I want to encourage you not just to look for signs of peace, to do peace, but to chase and pursue after Jehovah Shalom, the peace, not just the peace of God, but the God of peace. Because when the God of peace comes upon you, then of the increase of His peace, there shall be no end. But if you try to broker peace around you'll find yourself weary. You'll find yourself tired. You'll find yourself exasperated, maybe even feeling defeated. But the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom, He comes and He brings an increase. How does He bring this increase? When we think about peace, we often think about a horizontal kind of peace. Peace with peace and goodwill to all men, right? Right? That's what Jesus came to do. He came to establish horizontal peace. 
side by side me with my neighbors me with my family me with my work play, work workmates me with 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 whatever with the markets with whatever i need to make peace with things all around me that's a horizontal aspect of peace but there is a vertical aspect of peace that must must come first the vertical element of peace is that we make peace with god and without Jesus Christ, I don't know how you're going to make peace with God. You may make or attempt to make peace with God by doing good things and you might get along a certain way and make a bit of ground. You may try to make peace with God by starting with all the horizontal peacemaking. But you'll find yourself over time weary tired because you don't have the strength to do it I know one thing I can speak only of my own life all the peacemaking that I try to do horizontally makes no sense and has no lasting power until and unless I make peace with Him the vertical peace that is established with God reminds us that we too are broken we too are in need of deep forgiveness we too are, are, are people who cherish cherish the grace and mercies of God that when we can come before God and say I am a broken sinner I am frankly quite a wreck and yet you can love me you've seen me at my worst and you thought no less of me your love for me is good and perfect and it cannot be added to because it is already at maximum that is the love of God if you're new to the Christian faith or still in the midst of discovering it I want you to know that God loves you no matter how much of a wreck you are no matter how much of, of, of blood you have spilled no matter how many times you have wronged someone, failed someone, lost someone else's money in a venture, no matter how much you have sinned against someone, hurt someone in their heart or even in their body, no matter how much grief you have caused someone, God loves you. He's prepared to wipe everything away and give you love and peace brand new as if you were newly born but we need to make peace with a God who can love you this way we need to say God I accept the moment you say yes to this God then you make peace with Him and He and you you're good you're finally good but He's offering you something and as long as you say, I don't need this, no thank you, I can do it on my own, maybe later, maybe another time, maybe when I get my life sorted, maybe when I do, when I do enough good, I don't feel like I'm in a place, I don't feel it's right to accept this gift, I don't think I'm right, I feel I should work this out myself, I feel that it would be, I'm not used to receiving this kind of, I don't even think I'm deserving of it, I don't think I'm lovable, I don't think I'm likable, whatever you may say, as long as you hold his peace at arm's length and say no thank you not yet you and him are not yet good and I want you to know that if you've given a gift to someone and they said no thank you you know you and they are not good that's how it is for God God is giving you a gift of love a gift of peace to be made perfectly right with Him by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, His loving sacrifice of death in exchange for your life. He wants to make that peace with you. This is the vertical peace that He seeks to establish first. And after that, when you go to your workplace and you see your boss being an absolute wreckage of his own, You know because you yourself have come before God in your own brokenness you have 
horizontal peace to give. You can make peace with brother and sister now because you are made right with the Father in heaven. Amen. And so I want to ask you, what must I let go of in order to hold on to the coming of Jesus as the bringer of perfect peace? Jesus is the perfect peace and the advent of peace means that He's coming and if you want to hold on to this Jesus, you want to take hold, to lay hold, some of you is to hold on, continue holding on. For some of you, it is to take hold for the first time. What must you let go of? Which might be good up to a certain point, but I'm telling you, if you want this Jesus who offers a peace that lasts for eternity, some of the things that we are holding on now, we have to lay them down so that we can pick up the peace that surpasses understanding, Prince of Peace Himself. I want you to reflect on this and I want to pose you a second question. How can I? Through dark days, through difficult days, through trying days, through days when the world seems to be teetering on the edge of collapse, how can I wait patiently without wavering for Jesus to set all things right? You know, people always say that Jesus is coming, His second coming is soon. Within our lifetime, it'll happen, you know? And it may. It may. Or it may not. Ever since Jesus' day, every single generation believed that the second coming was going to happen within their lifetime. And so it's not wrong to suppose that the second coming may happen within our lifetime. But it's entirely possible that it doesn't. And you wait your whole life for His second coming. And still, your next generation has to do more waiting. Is that waiting beneath you, my friend? Or will it be a time of waiting that grows you, refines you, sharpens you, purifies you? Let your waiting purify you and cleanse you of all earthly impatience. How can I wait patiently without wavering for Jesus to set all things right? Let us take another few minutes to reflect on this. Church, I want to pray with you to close. Lord Jesus, some days I don't have the strength to go on. And when I don't have the strength to go on, I just feel like I want to give up. I just feel like I want to give up on the world, give up on goodness. Just give up on being selfless. Just want to be selfish and just live life for myself. I just sense the Holy Spirit nudging me to affirm that possibly someone in this room right now is asking yourself this question. I just want to be selfish and look after myself for once. And God is calling that out. It is a kind of giving up. It is a kind of defeat and God says no you don't have to give up I will give you strength I will give you I, I will give you energy I will give you patience I will give you endurance and that is not to say that you don't look after yourself self-care is important but the Lord is saying in your pursuit of all things good and true and beautiful and righteous God gives you the strength and God gives you and makes you patient for the things He is doing. So Lord Jesus, help us to anticipate peace, not just in our hearts, to anticipate the establishment of peace between us and you, for us to constantly keep short accounts with you, for us to reach out to our neighbour, and to love them 
and in so doing also reach in to ourselves and like our sister May shared forgive ourselves love ourselves be merciful to ourselves if there's anyone here you are your own strongest harshest judge and you are harsh on yourself you are kind and merciful to others but you are hard on yourself the Lord says I'm not hard on you my heart is to give you forgiveness and peace and love and to set you free from all the accusations and the judgments that you hear playing back in your own head and if that is you today the Lord wants to set you free to refute every single accu accusation of Satan the accuser in your mind I want to invite you all to rise for a moment after that we will sit back down to receive the communion emblems but let us rise for a moment because I want to lead us into praise and how do we praise Jehovah Shalom at a time like this we sing hallelujah amen we sing hallelujah for the work he has done on the cross we sing hallelujah for the supernatural resurrection on the third day we sing hallelujah for the filling of the church with the power of the holy spirit we sing hallelujah for the extending of the gospel of grace from dark place made light to the next dark place being made light that's how we respond to Jehovah Shalom let us all lift up a voice let us all lift up our hands amen church you may be seated but continue in this attitude this posture of worship of adoration as the communion emblems are being served take this moment in reverence as you hold the emblems in your hand to remember that it is the death of Jesus on the cross that made peace possible He Himself is our peace if you have never given your life to Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour you can do two things you can let the emblems pass you or you can take the emblems and say to God right now, Lord Jesus, as I hold these emblems for the first time, I receive you into my life to be my Lord and in my Saviour. Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And after He had given thanks, He said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me father we thank you that in your wounding we have been healed by your stripes we are made well again and it was the suffering that you took which gave us peace and so Lord as we hold this piece of bread in our hands we do this to remember the love of Jesus for us let us partake of this bread together father we thank you Lord God for the bread that we have just partook partaken and we ask Lord that in this way every body that is broken sick unwell be healed every mind that is frayed at the seams tortured fuzzy foggy be cleared and healed completely pray that every place of strength that is just lost and wasting away so weary be re-energized and renewed in Christ in Jesus name Amen after supper he took the cup not yet after supper he took the cup and he said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood as often as you gather, do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the cup. The cup that represents the blood that was spilled on the cross, the blood that was shed 
through pain, through suffering, untold, cannot be properly described. But every drop of blood was spilled to cleanse us, to make us right, to make us one, to buy us peace. Once and for all. So Father, as we partake of this cup, we are partaking a symbol, a remembrance of the blood of Jesus into our lives. In so doing, His blood, so to speak, flows in us. We become one with Him. His love flows through us. His sacrifice gives us life. Father, we thank you so much that you have done this for us. Let us partake of this cup together. Father, we thank you for the light of the world that has come, piercing into darkness so that the people who lived in deep darkness have seen a great light. And so today, we celebrate the coming of peace and love and hope and joy. And we also thank you, Lord God, for the feast that we have before us. As we partake of this food, may you bless it, may you sanctify it as nourishment unto our bodies, may you also sanctify it as nourishment unto our fellowship, so that as we fellowship with one another over a meal, it will be like the many meals that are so holy that you described in Scripture, where your people gather and break bread and do life, and are in so doing, nourished and enriched. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. May your name be forever praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.